Well, welcome back to our study of Proverbs, and today we are in Proverbs chapter 6, verses 6 through 11, and we're studying the sluggard, the lazy person. And we've already learned from our introduction that this is not a, a laughing matter. It is a, it is a serious matter because being lazy is a sin and it is not helpful to humanity, nor does it glorify God. And in many ways, it shows a lack of um, gratitude toward God, toward others, toward parents, towards employers. So let's go on and look at, uh, let's read verses uh, six through 11. Go to the ant, O sluggard, observe her ways and be wise, which having no chief officer or ruler, prepares her food in the summer and gathers her provisions in the harvest. How long will you lie down, O sluggard? When will you arise from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. Your poverty will come in like a vagabond and your need like an armed man. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. And I pray, dear God, please, first of all, Lord, for, for everyone, especially the young people who are listening to this video, that they would know Christ, that they would see Christ as precious. Oh, Father, please, please. And Lord, that they would go on in your word, that they would press on to know the Lord, and that they would be wise, godly, and useful in your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, we're studying the sluggard. I mean, even that, even that name uh, doesn't sound too appealing, does it? Well, I looked up a bunch of synonyms just for you, uh, you young people to get an idea what we're talking about. If, if someone says you're a sluggard, if your mom or dad says you're being lazy, okay, here's some of the ideas that you need to be thinking about. A snail, a sloth. Now here's one even worse, a slug. I don't know if you've ever seen a slug, but it's this slimy worm-like thing that crawls, a, uh, it crawls a, on the ground and it goes so slow it actually seems like it's going backwards. Uh, here's a word I'd never heard before, a slugabed. So look that one up. Uh, sluggish, slacker. Someone who's like a slack rope, uh, a slouch. How you like that one? A shrinker, a slowpoke, always moving at half speed, a straggler. We would always have those on the ranch. You know, you'd be moving the whole herd and then here's these, these calves or these steers that just, they just come behind so slow and it was so bothersome to deal with them because you were always having to keep them up going with everyone else. Lazy bones, have you ever been called that? What about loafer? Uh, layabout, someone who's just, where are they? Oh, they're laying about here somewhere. They're not working about, they're not even walking about. They're just laying about. Another one is a lounger. That word itself doesn't sound too good, does it? A clock watcher. Boy, I tell you what, those are the worst. They're not there to get work done. They're just wanting to 
let the time pass and do as little as possible, right? Until the clock strikes five or whenever they stop work and they're finished. Um, actually, it, it seems kind of funny, but what we're gonna see is it's actually quite selfish. Um, a couch potato, have you ever been called a couch potato? I really don't know what that means, except maybe you're just planted there in the cushion of the couch and that's where you grow. An idler, a delayer, always putting things off, right? A quitter, it is so easy to begin something. Everybody begins something. Very few people finish what they begin. A procrastinator. When, when someone goes, well, you know, I'll get it done, but I'm a procrastinator. Um, you're lazy. You're a, you're a slug of bed. <laughs> Um, and then another synonym that is used is, is just a good for nothing. I want to tell you something about the most frustrating thing that can happen to you is have to work with a lazy person. I mean, it can be very encouraging to work with a person who's not that smart, but they're diligent. But to work with a lazy person, doesn't matter how smart they are, pretty soon it's like, no, 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 I can't work with this person anymore. Now. With regard to God-ordained labor, this sluggard has a problem. Now, remember what I said. Labor is not a result of the fall. It's not some bad thing. After the fall, of course, we know that it, it's, labor is more difficult and sometimes even our best labors end in futility. But what you need to understand is that labor itself is God-ordained before the fall. Now, in the book of Revelation, it talks about someone who's, they're not hot, they're not cold, they're just lukewarm, and they're good for nothing. Now, we can apply this in some way to labor. Um, a lazy person isn't cold in that they're not openly rebellious, saying, I'm not going to do it, but they're not hot. When they start doing it, they're not diligent and energetic. They're just kind of passive um, and can be passive aggressive. I'll do it, but I'll do it in my time. Okay. Now, let me give you, I, I gave you some words that were similar to a slugger. Now, let me give you words that represent the opposite. A person who's occupied, a person who's energetic, a person who's animated, a person who's industrious, a person who is diligent, a person who is hard working. These are qualities that, um, that people admire. Um, one of my sons is a tower climber. He climbs way up and sometimes he sends pictures home to uh, to, to me and his mother, and it almost gives us a fright because you can see the earth somewhere there, there below. When he went in and interviewed for the job, he, um, he shook the man's hand. When he finished shaking his hand, I had taught him to shake a hand with a firm grip and look someone in the eyes. The employer later told him, he goes, I was basically going to hire, I was basically going to hire you right after shaking your hand. 
because of the way you did it. And then he learned from my son that my son, even though at this point had little training or no training at all, that he was known as an extremely hard worker. And that meant more to the employer than anything else. Think about that. A firm handshake, looking him in the eye, a straight back, and a resume that says, this guy will work. Do you see that? Because you can take a guy like that and you can do anything with him. I had a friend who was a really good baseball player in college and he batted something like 360 or something. And I asked him, I said, you know, that's a really high batting average. How come the pros never looked at you? And he said, he goes, I didn't have bat speed. And I said, what do you mean? He goes, the pros can teach someone to hit. What they can't give them is speed. And I did not, I had accuracy, but I didn't have speed. Now, I don't know how true that is because I know very little about baseball, but here's the point. I don't care how smart someone is, if they're lazy, you don't, you don't wanna work with them. And even if someone is quite limited, but they are diligent and hard working, then that's someone you wanna grab a hold of. All right, so now let's look at a biblical overview of the sluggard. In verse six, it says, go to the antel sluggard, observe her ways and be wise. Now, again, before I get to this, I wanna look at some other texts in Proverbs. First of all, the sluggard shares characteristics with a fool. So sometimes in the book of Proverbs, um, the word sluggard is used almost as a synonym and vice versa with a person who's a fool. And you will see this, that a person who is very, very lazy will think themselves to be wiser than everyone else, which demonstrates that they're actually just a fool. In Proverbs 24, 30, it says, I pass by the field of the sluggard and by the vineyard of the man lacking sense. It's talking about the same man that a sluggard, a lazy person, is actually someone who oftentimes thinks they're very intelligent, that they can get out of work, when in fact, they're nothing more than a fool. Now, let me say something here of how times have changed. When I was a little boy, uh, you know, we lived not in a big town at all. I think the town where our, our farm was near was like a thousand people. Um, but there was this grocery store, and I can remember going in there where these old men would sit around a potbelly stove. And, and even as old men, they would brag about how they could outwork one another. And I grew up around men that that was the thing. I mean, they would say, you know, I can outwork you. No, I can outwork you. I can haul more hay than you can. I can move more cattle than you can. I can work harder in the fields. I can root out weeds faster than you can. I can outwork you. That, that was a, a thing that men thought about. Now I listen to conversations of young people and they boast about how they can get out of work. That's a terrible, terrible thing. A terrible thing. And they think they're really smart, but actually they're just demonstrating that they're foolish, that they're unwise, that they lack sense. Um, so a sluggard shares characteristics with a fool. Secondly, the sluggard is a burden to all those who rely upon him. 
Proverbs 10:26. Like vinegar to the teeth and smoke to the eyes, so is the lazy one to those who send him. You know, uh, a lot of times when we would cut wood, uh, we, would, we would burn um, brush on the farm. And there was something that you had to be very, very careful of. I don't know if a lot of you know about uh, poison oak or poison ivy. Uh, some people are very allergic to it. I am. So if you're cutting down wood and you touch it, it it'll get on the part that you've touched and it can be very annoying for several days. But here's the thing, when you're burning wood, and if that wood has poison oak or poison ivy on it, and it gets burnt, and that smoke gets on you, or you breathe it in, it can be almost deadly. It can, it can mess you up for a long time. And what you need to see is that, is, is this is what it's like to work with a lazy person. You send them to do something, did you do it? No. Or how long did it take you to do it? Three times longer than it should have. Or you say, please come here, I need your help right now. And they kind of walk. There was, a, I'm not saying this is biblical, but with my dad, if he said, come, you better be there. He, he, he didn't, you didn't walk. If he said, go get a tool, you didn't walk to the tool shed. You ran to the tool shed, you found it and you ran back. If he said, come, you jumped. You know, the old saying of when I say jump, your only question should be how high and how long. That's basically the way it is. But, but a, a lazy person, it's like he's just annoying. You've always got to wait on him. He's always going to delay things. And what's worse, he's always going to have a proud excuse. Also, the sluggard is the source of his own difficulties and he's the source of his own lack of progress. But now he's going to blame everyone else. But if you're lazy, then all the things that come from that that's your fault, even a bad reputation. So in Proverbs 15, 19, the way of the lazy is as a hedge of thorns, but the path of the upright is a highway. A diligent man is going to advance. A lazy man, not only is he going to, I don't know if you've ever gone through thorns. I've had to go through thorns looking for cattle. I've had to go through thorns uh, when I was hunting, looking for prey. Um, it's not easy. It's very, very slow. And, and that is the life of the lazy man. And that's why he can very rarely make any progress in any endeavor that he takes because he's just lazy. He's just lazy. Proverbs 13, four, the soul of the sluggard craves and gets nothing, but the soul of the diligent is made fat. So the, the lazy person, well, look at it this way. The, the lazy person and the diligent person both desire the same thing. One of them gets it and the other one doesn't. And it's not because of luck. It's not because someone failed somebody. It's because someone actually worked and some other person did not. But the, the problem in our society today is that there are people who work very hard and prosper. There are people who are extremely lazy and do nothing but they complain and fight against the person who works and wants what they have and wants it to be given to them. This is very, very wrong.
And this is one of the reasons why our society is struggling so much. A friend of mine years and years ago was um, involved in the insurance business. And he said, uh, do you know why um, 80% of the insurance is sold by 20% of the people? Who are 20% of the salesmen? And 80% of the salesmen only sell 20% of the insurance? And I said, no. He goes, if you take a successful insurance agent and an unsuccessful insurance agent and you talk to them, you will find out that both of them, what they like about their job is the same and what they hate about their job is pretty much the same. And the difference is this, the successful, the successful salesman does what he doesn't want to do in order to be successful. And the other guy, he doesn't like to do it, so he doesn't do it. You know, everybody likes receiving a gold medal, I guess. I've never received one. I'm sure everybody would like to receive a gold medal. The problem is not everybody's willing to spend 20 years of their life in rigid discipline and sacrifice to get it. It's the same way. Everyone would like to be godly, but not everyone works at it. Everyone would like to be used of God, but not everyone works at it. And so this is a very, very important point. Proverbs uh, 19.24, the sluggard buries his hand in the dish, but will not even bring it back to his mouth. He says, I'm always hungry. I'm so hungry. I'm so hungry. Well, then pull your hand out of the plate and feed yourself. But I'm too tired. Okay. Okay. And, and parents, it's, it's very, very important again you have to instill this virtue in your children. You must instill this virtue in them. And by pampering them and spoiling them and doing things for them, when they're old enough to do it for themselves, it's wrong. Now, you shouldn't just tell them to do it. You should teach them to do it. That's training in righteousness. Teach them to do it. Help them do it then allow them to do it independently and then hold them accountable for it. Now, we go to verse six, we go to the sluggard's teacher. It says, go and seek out an ant, watch her behavior and become wise. Now, th that's a, you know, to watch other examples of, of virtue is, is a wise thing to do. But there's, there's something quite sad in what's being commanded here. I want to read to you something. The, fallen, the fallenness of man is seen that although he was created in the image of God, he must now go to an insect in order to learn virtue and correct his behavior. Do you see that? Man was created in the image of God above all the other creatures, above all the other animals. But because of sin, because of moral corruption, man can fall so far that he has to go to an insect in order to learn what to do. That is very, very sad. But that's the case. Some people need to go and learn from an ant. They, they won't learn from scripture. They won't learn from their parents. They won't learn from the counsel of the wise. Then go to an insect and learn because that insect in a sense, just a sense, 
we can say displays more virtue than you as a man or a woman or a boy or girl created in the image of God. Now, what is the characteristics of an ant? Let's look in verses seven and eight. It says, which having no chief officer or ruler prepares her food in the summer and gathers her provision in the harvest. Now let's just look at some characteristics. First of all, the ant is self-motivated. Needs no one convincing, pushing, prodding, motivated. Needs no compulsory authority. Um, how could we put this in, in um, how could we apply this to a young person? Uh, the ant doesn't need uh, someone to tell him or her to clean up her room, to make her bed, to do her homework. She has received certain chores at home, certain uh, uh, commands with regard to requirements with regard to school, has certain duties, understands those duties, and no one has to come in every day and charge them to do it, push them to do it, they just do it. This is so, this is one of the reasons why a lazy person is, is annoying to work with or to have a relationship with. Why? Because when you tell them and they agree, do this, then you come back and say, did you do it? Well, I did it yesterday, but not today. Why not today? Well, you didn't tell me to do it. People always needing someone pushing them, pushing them, pushing them. After a while, need to understand people just get so annoyed, they're not gonna push you anymore. They're just gonna say, please go away. And you're gonna say, well, it's their fault. No, it's not. No, it's not. The ant needs no one over them, driving them to do what they need to do. They do it on their own. And that is a virtue. That is a virtue. Someone who initiates things, someone who's given a task and does it and doesn't need to be checked on. So imagine an employer that has a hundred workers in a factory and every day, each of them have five duties to do. There's 500 things now going on and that employer has to go and do a checklist with every one of those people. Did you do the five things you're supposed to do? Do you realize how annoying that is? But what's amazing is when you tell someone, you tell your son, every morning when you get up, the first thing you do is make your bed. Every evening you clean your room. Every evening you take a shower. Every evening you help with the dish, all these different chores. And you don't have to call them, you don't have to initiate it, they just do it. And when they're adults, they're gonna need this virtue. So the ant is self-motivated. Also, the ant is self-directed, okay? Needs no help or direction. Now, what do I mean by that? There, we must teach our children. And children, you must learn from others. There's no sense in reinventing the wheel, but there are people who will always say this, um, well, no one showed me, no one taught me, no one helped me. You see, they're always transferring blame from themselves to someone else. 
What's amazing, and, and I am so blessed uh, here, at, here at Heart Cry, is that there are people who you ask them, uh, we need to do this, and they go, I don't know how to do it, but I'll find out. I'll research it and I'll get it done. They don't sit around and just go, well, no one showed me. No one showed me. No, they're self-motivated and they're self-directed. And they're not gonna blame anyone. Now, let me share something with you. Um, if you're running a business and say you have five people working for you and uh, you have a lawnmower business or something, and, and they all five go out in different places to mow a yard. And one of them goes out and doesn't, doesn't do a good job. Who's gonna take the blame for it? The guy who owns the business. He has to go and say, he can't say, it was my employer, they failed me. Now the employer did, my employee failed me. Now the employee did fail but the boss has to take the responsibility and make it right. He always has to assume responsibility. When you're a young person, listen to me, when you've got tasks to do that involve other people and you're in charge, they may fail you. But don't go to the person that you're under and say, I didn't get it done because of this person. No, assume the responsibility. It is our job not only to be self-motivated, but also to be self-taught, to go out and figure things out and don't pass the blame. Now, another thing about the ant, the ant is diligent. Verse eight, I want you to look at this. It says, prepare her food in the summer, prepares her food in the summer and gathers her provisions in the harvest. She perseveres in labor from summer to the end of harvest in the fall. I see so many people that will, will labor for a little while, or labor, labor if there is immediate reward, but to start a task and work it through diligently, often for months before there's any reward or any accolade, that is a virtue. Now notice here also about the ant, the ant does not procrastinate, does not wait to the last moment. The ant is not waiting until the snow starts falling to run around and try to gather food. They realize this is a long-term job and I need to start now. Now let me share with you something that I used to practice even, even before I was a, a believer. Uh, maybe it was instilled in me. I knew that at the university I wanted to make really good grades. I was real competitive. And I also knew that at the university, uh, uh, especially University of Texas, I knew that, man, most of the people in that class were gonna be a lot smarter than me. I mean, uh, their IQs, some of them were, were quite extraordinary. And so the typical thing was if you had a midterm or you had uh, the finals or whatever, you would, you know, people start studying three days before the test and things like that. And I came up with an idea that for me, I would start studying somewhere between two and three weeks before the test. So let's say that there were basically 40 pages of notes that had to be memorized. Can you, some of the smart guys could pull it off by starting about two days before the test, I guess. I couldn't. So what I did was I would start about two or three weeks before and I'd go through the notes, one, you know, 
maybe three hours the first day, and then three hours the next day, and three hours the next day, and three. And by the time it got to the test, I not only knew the notes, but they were internalized. I had thought about how each factor in, in, in what we were dealing with related to the other factor, and, and I could do well, not because I had an exceptional IQ, but because I was willing to start way back and work a long time in order to achieve the goal. Now, I want you to think about someone who says, you know, why didn't you make a, a good grade? Well, you know, the class is hard and everyone's smarter than me. Do you realize what they're saying? It's fatalism. I couldn't make a good grade because I wasn't born with the same mind as everyone else. That's fatalism. If you weren't born with the same IQ as someone else, then all you have to do is back it up and work harder. Uh, there are several athletes, and I could mention them, but I won't, but I read a book about several athletes and people who, one of the greatest wide receivers who was actually very, very slow, but he ran all his patterns perfectly and he worked out so hard that it would almost kill a normal man. And he just made himself into what he was. He didn't have the gifts. He just made himself into what he was. So he worked hard at the task. He persevered in it. Uh, Paul refers to athletes um, in his epistles, and I think there's a good reason for it. When I look at, especially like gymnasts and things like that, that start in their, in their sport when they're five years old, and maybe when they're 17 or 19 or 21, they compete for the Olympics and they, uh, did you realize how much time that they've spent? And Paul basically goes on to say, if, if someone would work that hard for temporal things, for a metal that's not even gold, how much harder should we labor doing the will of God? Now, um, she does not procrastinate. She doesn't wait to the last moment. Now, here's a big deal. I know I've gone on a little long but she does not require immediate gratification to continue her task. Um, now, uh, let me talk about kind of a, just a video game. I think it's one of the best illustrations. Uh, there's a video game out there, I understand, uh, that is, I guess, I don't know much about it, but it seems amoral um, in the sense that it's, I think it's Minecraft or whatever. Now, don't write me letters. I'm not approving it, nor am I fighting against it. I'm just using it as an illustration. And uh, from what I understand, you build buildings and you do all kinds of things. And there's, there's not necessarily anything wrong with that. But one of the things that it is a bit troublesome is that when you can build something virtually that's magnificent, wonderful, but um, there's a sense of almost immediate gratification. And what I mean is, if you really want to uh, dig a hole several stories deep, and you really want to build a building that's extraordinary, reaching up to the clouds, um, well, first of all, you probably need a degree in engineering. Second of all, if you're just going to do it with a pickaxe, you are going to have to labor for years. And the point that I'm trying to make is not to be against some video game. The point that I'm trying to say is, 
is so many people can only labor for things when there's instant gratification or instant applause. And it doesn't create in them what we would call a, a perseverance, an ability to work, uh, knowing that the reward is a long way off. And that has spiritual implications, doesn't it? Um, everything that we do, I mean, um, I, I've been serving the Lord now for four decades. That's, that's a long time. And, and I've still, I'm, I haven't gone home to heaven. And hopefully the Lord will give me, I'm hoping for three more decades. It's long term. It's setting your sights on something and be willing to not work at it for a day or a week, but for months, even years. And um, so let's see what else we got here. I'm going to wait to go forward on this. I think there's enough today. Um, young people, start now. And start now under um, the counsel, tutelage, under the authority of your parents. Start now. N know this. You want to make your father and mother happy. You want to make teachers happy. Uh, uh, if you've got some odd job as a young kid, you want your employer happy, work hard. They, you know, I, I've met a lot of teachers in my life and I've hardly met a teacher, I, I don't think I ever have, that didn't appreciate hard work and that didn't admire students that worked hard even though they may not have the same uh, ability as other students. Work hard, make that um, one of the outstanding virtues and characteristics of your life, not laziness, but hard work. All right, let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. And I pray, dear God, that you would use it in the heart of the young people, that you would bless them, that you would strengthen them, oh God, that they would know Christ and that they would serve him with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. In Jesus' name.